The opinions expressed on this podcast are those of Darren Coleman and Elena Hansen and are for general information purposes only. It does not constitute any legally binding engagement between the podcasters and anyone else. Always check with your advisors to obtain your tax and your investment advice. Welcome to Two-Way Traffic with Darren Coleman and Elena Hansen, the cross-border podcast series. On each episode, we aim to guide you through the complexities, complications, implications, and advantages of having money and family on both sides of the border. COVID-19 has changed just about everything. And now on two-way traffic, Elena and Darren do a deep dive on the economic impacts of the coronavirus pandemic on both sides of the border. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two-Way Traffic. So I'm Darren Coleman, Senior Vice President and Portfolio Manager with Raymond James in Toronto. And we have a cross-border practice where we look after people who have money and family on both sides of the border and fairly complicated wealth management situations. And I'm Elena Hansen, owner and managing director of Hansen Cross-Border Tax, Inc., a tax service firm located in Oakville, Ontario, Canada. And we are servicing clients with wide variety of reporting and tax obligations involving international issues. So, Elena, we're having an interesting uh, time right now. We're right in the middle of this corona panic, coronavirus COVID issue that seems that within the last two weeks has really concerned everybody. I'd say for most of us, we're still in the first couple of weeks of really fully understanding how this is impacting us. We're all working from home and remotely, and we're all trying to process all the information that's all coming at us so quickly. So clearly we're in a new world and we haven't even figured out our new normal yet. Uh, But today we were going to spend some time and talk about some of the economic and tax aspects of what's happening as best we can kind of understand it with the information we have. We've seen stimulus packages that are very substantial, at least initially, coming from the United States and Canada. And as both of us have clients in both countries, we'll kind of touch on what we know at the moment about how those packages look. Clearly, a lot more details are coming. The Canadian stimulus package was just uh, approved today, so even the information isn't even all the way out yet. And we'll also talk about some planning ideas for people of what to be doing now. We've seen a pretty uh, surprising and rapid descent uh, across the board in stock markets around the world. So while that can be very scary from people, I think there's also some wise things that people could think about doing uh, in the midst of this, because I think for most of us, we have to either make the assumption that either the world is coming to the end and this is the next zombie apocalypse. And my 14-year-old daughter, actually, as an aside, she thinks that all funeral home directors should be tying people's shoelaces together because what can it hurt, really? That's just a wise (laughs) idea. She's a smart girl. Or you've got to take the view, I think, that this is a very significant disruption, but it's ultimately a temporary disruption. And and we'll all kind of get back to, maybe not the world as it was, but we'll all certainly get through it at some point, hopefully soon. So so with that in mind, uh, why don't we talk a little bit first about some of the measures that governments are doing to try and support people? Because for most, my suspicion is this will be more of an economic difficulty than probably a health issue for most people. 
So what are we seeing right now from your perspective in either country? You can start with Canada or the U.S. first. What are some of the most important things that you see that are coming for people? Right, Darren. So for the past, I would say, 10 days, we've been in a complete roller coaster and uh, a day feels like a lifetime. Uh, well, the governments did uh, uh, stepped up and uh, they did introduce uh, economic measures. We have um, Families First Coronavirus Response Act, which were, was signed into law uh, on March 18 uh, by the President Trump. That package becomes effective on April 2nd. It's almost three and a half uh, dollar stimulus package, which uh, primarily focused on um, emergency paid sick leaves and, and also emergency family uh, medical leaves. So it's not as much to uh, stimulate the economy as opposed to help out people who are facing the crisis, you know, whether because they're ill or their loved ones are ill or their kids cannot attend the school because school's been shut down. So that's been on the U.S. side. Uh, and also, you know, a big deal for our clients is that uh, U.S. government pushed back uh, the deadlines, uh, you know, whether for filing or uh, paying the 2019 uh, taxes. When it comes to the Canadian side, as you mentioned today, we just got uh, the stimulus package enacted. It's called the Economic Response Plan. Uh, initially, it was introduced last week. And uh, from 82 uh, billion, which was initially was offered, now it increased to 107 billion. There's a kind of a couple of uh, very definitive parts. One is to assist uh, families or individuals who are either ill or they lost employment or they're laid off. You know, they they lost basically income. Uh, and another part is uh, to defer the 2019 taxes, which would have been due in, in six weeks, but now we actually have uh, to pay them until uh, the end of August. So this is very helpful because, again, our businesses are uh, disrupted, the families, uh, they're focused necessarily on tax side. So this is all very helpful. And we, we certainly appreciate the, the government, uh, you know, acting in this emergency environment uh, so quickly and um, giving us uh, the, the tangible solutions. Yeah, there are some tools that are coming to help because this is a pretty unprecedented situation. I also think it's important for people to understand that this probably isn't going to be done. It looks like all governments seem to be very willing to continue to find new ways to support and spend as the situation unfolds. So there's likely to be a lot of movement uh, as we go forward, but all dependent on how this virus situation unfolds, right? So what we know today will probably keep changing. So it's important that people still pay attention to the news, speak to their advisors, because this just is going to be an unfolding situation. Well, right? that's just it. We need to watch what's going on. And I understand on the U.S. side, we actually are waiting for the second phase of the stimulus package, which is uh, promised to be about $2 trillion. Right. And that uh, will be to actually jumpstart the economy as opposed to you know help out uh, uh, stranded uh, folks. Uh, right. And it's it's also interesting that I think the, the goals are very similar to support people going through you know, income shortages and other disruptions they've seen to their businesses and to their employment. Um, but a lot of the details are different. So, for example, in Canada, uh, they reduced the required RIF withdrawals by 25%. So people that are in the retired phase of life and taking money out of their savings, they're not required to get as much this year. We haven't seen a corresponding uh, idea U.S. side, though? No, no. Um, I, I'm finding that a Canadian bill has a wider scope. 
as opposed okay. to the U.S., right? The U.S. was uh, more uh, for uh, sick individuals and family leaves, and then it had a, a free uh, COVID-19 testing uh, kits availability. Uh, and the fourth one is uh, to support state government uh, for unemployment uh, insurance claims. So th- these are kind of uh, four main uh, parts of the of the U.S. Act, as opposed to in Canada, you know, we have delays in student loans, right. and then we, we have some assistance to small businesses on the on the payroll tax. Um, so it's just covering a, a bit larger ground. Now, you'd also, in our talk earlier, before we started recording, you had mentioned that one of the in- interesting things about the U.S. side is that it's not covering as many people as one might assume. There's a whole bunch of people that aren't going to really be benefiting from some of this stuff, right? You're absolutely correct. So uh, there is about 159 million workers in the States. And uh, economists project that uh, that uh, bill uh, will exclude about uh, 58% of them. Now, that 58% exclusion is not necessarily uh, with respect to the entire bill. So it may be for a portion of the bill. But nevertheless, you know, the the full advantage can be uh, taken by less than half. That's not very comforting results, um, right. considering that uh, we we're all facing the same crisis. <laughs> That's true, and I think for many people, uh, if this unfolds for much longer, a lot of people. Uh, who never thought they'd be in crisis might wind up being. You know, one of the standard things that we as financial planners do whenever we begin a plan with someone is one of the first principles of that is have two to three months of cash or access to cash always available as an emergency reserve. And we're going to find out pretty shortly who took that advice and who didn't. You know, because a lot of the stimulus is targeting people that are hourly workers or, you know, they may be at the lower end of the economic totem pole. Uh, but there's a lot of people that are professionals that are, that are well paid that just never really did really great financial planning that are going to discover, oh, gee whiz, I'm running out of money. So this is has the potential to affect a lot of people. I, I agree. You know, I mean, but again, the, the majority of the middle class, whether in the States or Canada, they live from a paycheck to a paycheck. They do. So it's yeah. them who are going to be uh, feeling the impact the most. And that's why the U.S. government wants to step out and, and, and give away, you know, whether it's uh, $1,200 or $2,000 per, uh, per family. So people have money to go and buy bread and fuel their vehicles. Yeah. And it's interesting. This is being called helicopter money. If people see that in the press, they're probably going, well, what does that mean? No, uh, maybe I can explain quickly when people see this reference. You probably heard it called helicopter money. That actually comes from a reference when uh, Maria Bartiromo, who was on CNBC, was interviewing then Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke in 2008 and 2009 when they were worried about, well, what, how can the economy keep going and, and what kind of response can we do? And Ben Bernanke at the time, uh, he actually was a historian and had studied the Great Depression and studied 1929 and what happened after that. And he had actually said on air, there's lots of tools effectively that we have as a central bank to help with uh, avoiding depression and avoiding significant market and uh, economic impacts. And she said, well, what tools do you have besides lowering interest rates? And he said, Maria, we could throw money out of helicopters if we had to. <laughs> so that became, so he, his nickname became Helicopter Ben. So now that's a little trivia piece for everybody. 
uh, is that if you hear this uh, idea of, you know, the, of the governments in the U.S. or Canada actually putting money directly into people's bank accounts, Australia has already started doing that, sending everybody $750 right into the bank accounts. They're nicknaming this helicopter money, and that's where that comes from. So because uh, money now is more of a theoretical construct, I think, than, uh, than anything else. Um, but while right. we're on but, this but, topic, but, sorry, go ahead. Let, let, me, let, let me interject you, Jaren. I mean, the government offering that helicopter money differently, you know, mm-hmm. the, US, the U.S. government is actually considering just give it to to everyone, you know, widespread, versus uh, Canadian government uh, limiting its resources. So they're specifically targeting to uh, low to mid-income population. The question arises, well, how are they going to determine that? You know, because they're encouraging for people to file their 2019 tax returns in hopes that maybe that's going to be based on the 19 tax reporting, or are we doing it on the 18th? So, you know, there's kind of a lot of this um, kitchen type, uh, you know, question like we don't know how the sausage is going to be cooked, right? Sorry, it's important you mentioned with the filing tax returns because one of the things that they said was these stimulus packages are going to be administered through CRA with the data they have. So that so if someone hasn't been current with their tax returns, that could be very problematic for them potentially, right? That is, you're absolutely correct. So another good reason to have a good accountant who keeps you current. <laughs> why don't we pivot because we were about halfway through our call today. Why don't we pivot a little bit to some planning ideas uh, some positive action steps that people could take. You know, one of the interesting things about uh, what happened with the stock markets in Canada and the U.S. was that literally on the birthday, on the 11th birthday of the longest bull market in history was when everything kind of stopped uh, and the market started to decline pretty rapidly and pretty aggressively. Uh, we've actually had the fastest and largest drop ever in terms of how much was lost in so short a time. And all the graphs of pretty much, and pick a stock, look at the graph, they're all the same graph right now. It's like uh, Coyote and the Roadrunner just kind of boom, <laughs> dropped, fell right off a cliff. Uh, and I don't mean to make light of it, but you kind of have to laugh at this or you're just going to cry. So because we're coming off of a very long bull market, and this is going to be, I think, a little more specific to Canadians than Americans, because the way we deal with capital gains taxation and capital loss taxation, there might be something in here for people positively. Uh, and then there's a couple of things that might be unique for Americans in terms of taking advantage of the fact that they may have paid capital gains previously, but Let's start with Canada. So in Canada, capital losses have a very interesting uh, feature, which is that you can carry them back. Could you just discuss a bit about how that works, Elena, please? Yeah. So taxpayers are eligible to carry back their losses up to three years and to apply them against previously recognized gains. So by that, they're releasing those, you know, in, in essence, they're, they're netting the losses against the gains, which results in uh, refunding of the taxes paid previously on the gains. Right. And again, this is this is not mandatory. This is optional. So people can choose to do that if they if they want to. Why, why wouldn't, especially if you're in a high ta- tax bracket? I, you know, that's a great planning tool now if you're looking at your portfolio and, and you're thinking, and I will let you, uh, Darren, speak more on that. Uh, if you're looking at your portfolio and saying that, well, there's no chance this stock is going to recover quick, so why don't I harvest the loss today, right, or in a month or whatever yeah. you choose to. Yeah, you can also move sideways to a similar position. So if, let's say, for example, you owned uh, Royal Bank. Maybe you sell Royal Bank and you buy TD and you're still in the bank segment, for example. Or you you sell uh, one stock and maybe you replace it with an ETF or something that's similar. So there might be a way if people work with their advisors to perhaps create a little bit of a loss, uh, but still keep their portfolio pretty much intact. I think we're a little late in the game to be selling, maybe a little bit early to go buying, but certainly there might be some reshuffling work 
that people might be able to do to create some losses that they can maybe then go and apply to last year, the year before, the year before that to save on some of the taxes that they paid previously. But be careful of the stop loss rules, right? You should Although, not yes. be selling. <laughs> you well, you can't replace with the same security within 30 days. <laughs> right, so you can't buy that's, that's a very right. good point. You can't sell the security and buy it right back the next day, but you could replace it with something that's similar, right? Similar, so if you, if you sell Royal Bank and buy TD, as an illustration, you're still owning a Canadian bank and they tend to move mostly together. So uh, that would be okay. But yeah, if you sell Royal Bank and buy it back 10 minutes later, the tax people don't actually think you sold it. Now in the US though, or, or anyone that may be wanting to think about passing money to another generation, there's some interesting things they might be able to now with respect to their cost basis. They may, but let me let me step back again and mention about the capital gains because for yeah. my cross-border taxpayers, right, for cross-border clients, uh, if, if, you know, they're Americans in Canada and they want to harvest those losses in, yeah. in hopes to carry back, they won't be do that uh, eligible for carry back on the U.S. side because U.S. does not recognize the losses uh, carry backwards. Uh, so we only have to, you know, account for them on a proactive basis. On the one side. Now, here we ask you this then, because also for Canadians, if they crystallize a capital loss, not only can they carry it back a little bit, they can also carry it forward, right? So they could use it in, uh, to a future date. Do Americans have that same capability? Americans do. With respect to any carry forwards, the rules are, are very similar because there is no limitations. You know, there's no 10 or 5 or 20 year limitations. I mean, you you can you can carry the losses indefinitely until you utilize them against future gains. Aha. So there is, uh, I guess, now a very good opportunity for people to go through their portfolios, hopefully with some professional advice. And if they're in Canada, they can actually apply it back. But in either country, really examine if something isn't got 100% or you're not as comfortable with it as you'd like to be, maybe you exit it, pocket the loss, carry it forward and find something that may be a better quality or more appropriate for you right now. So, so the there is something to do. The difference between another difference between two systems is that in Canada, if we are netting two losses, we cannot uh, claim net loss against other income. On the U.S. Mm -hmm. side, we can, but we are limited only to three thousand dollars. I see. Okay, you know, there's a this nuances between two systems which people need to account for if they're subject to double reporting. Yeah, we all we very regularly tell people with respect to taxes, please do not play the home game. And especially if they're a cross-border tax filer, they absolutely have to have the right advice or it just gets vastly more expensive later. Uh, with the old joke is that if you want to pay a lot of money, hire an amateur. Uh, right. and that's very, very true in this regard. A couple of things that we've been sharing with clients about how to deal with their portfolios today. It's, as I said earlier, it's probably a little too late to go selling. And if anybody wants to abandon ship, I'd suggest that you're probably going to just be embracing long-term regret. If they look at any of the charts from any previous crisis, whether it was from 1995, 1999, 2000, 2001, after 9-11, uh, or after the global financial crisis of 2008, 2009, the one thing that you must take to learn from history was that after these events happen, uh, do not sell, go shopping. Uh, and that's really the best advice to get people is hold what you have, but then start thinking about how to shop. You may just need to reshuffle within your portfolio, but when everything goes on sale by 30 or 40%, you can do a lot to pick up great quality things because uh, they all kind of came down the same. 
And Darren, you were saying that you have two shopping lists for stocks. I do. I'm building. A, I'm a good shopper, so uh, <laughs> I've got two shopping lists that were. And, I'll, and I'll, I can't share any specifics because uh, we're not allowed to give that advice to strangers. But we are telling clients what we're doing. Uh, the first shopping list I'm kind of encouraging people to think about is what is in the bargain bin. Because when everything is sold off indiscriminately, good stocks, bad stocks, everything kind of comes down the same. Imagine walking through your favorite shopping mall and every single thing in there is now 30 to 40% cheaper than two weeks ago. So what are you going to do? You're going to look for your favorite stuff that's on sale. So uh, the lots of things have been thrown out that are too uh, cheap, cheaper than they ought to be. So buy those. So you have to, in your own mind or with your advisor, figure out what are the things that are really on sale. The second part of that and, and this, or the second list or maybe a filter you run on your first list is understand that coming out of this is going to be different than going into this. We are going to be in a new world with new behavior. For example, after uh, 9-11, like before 9-11, we never took our shoes off to get on an airplane. Now we all take our shoes off to get on an airplane. We don't even think about it. We just we just get in line. We take our laptops out and our liquids and our gels and we take our shoes off, right? That type of behavioral change, we're going to see that manifest whenever we get out of our houses and our basements and out of hiding and we kind of go back to work. So what's going to change? And you can already start to see behavioral changes happening now. I mean, I'm not sure how many people are going to want to go back to walking around shopping malls unless there's toilet paper on sale, then all bets are off. But um, versus how many of us now, if you didn't have an Amazon account two weeks ago, I can guarantee you have one today. And we're embracing, you know, bring food to your house and stuff to your house. Uh, think your Wi-Fi has probably never been hotter than it is right now. Um, yeah, and, and I think em- employers and employers are, are warming up more to telecommuting too, right? Absolutely right. You know, it'll be very interesting to me because I work downtown on Bay Street in Toronto And all those office towers are pretty much empty at the moment. It's really weird to go into downtown Toronto in midweek in what should be a very busy time. And it is empty. It looks like a zombie movie. And, you know, with everyone that's been down there, not everyone, but the vast majority of them now working remotely, working from home, finding other systems. You have to ask yourself when this is over and people come back, are they going to need all this space? Are they going to continue and are they going to find new ways to be productive using these new technologies? So, so I guess my point is when you're shopping for securities and thinking about the future, respect it is going to be different. And, and you're, as an investor, you're going to have to figure out on your own, what does that mean to you? But as I said earlier, coming out of this will be different than how we went into this. Uh, so shop for value, number one, but then be thoughtful about how our world is going to be different from here and possibly better from this too, right? Because I think at the end of the day, unless we're all tying this people's shoes together in the funeral home, I think we have to assume that we're all going to come out of this uh, and hopefully all of us will come out of it a little bit better. Well, you know, I project from the tax perspective that we're going to come out to wanting a stronger government and higher taxes. Well, okay, we're not going to want higher taxes, Lena, but we are going to get them. <laughs> well, we're going to no, get someone's them. Pay no for this. doubt about that. But someone's going to pay for it. So someone will protect us next time when we're facing similar crisis. Well, I have a feeling that as this crisis unfolds, we're going to have to do another one of these shortly as we get new information uh, and as we get new uh, data and as this continues to unfold. So we'll be here for all the listeners to keep trying to make sense of this stuff uh, as it applies to people in both countries. So Elena, thank you very much for your time today. Stay thank well, you, wash your hand. And uh, for all the Amer- all the Canadians know this, but for all the Americans, the correct distance is one hockey stick. That's the correct distance <laughs> to stay away from each other. One hockey stick. Excellent, Darren. Thanks, Thank Elena. you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. 
This has been Two-Way Traffic with Darren Coleman and Elena Hansen. This cross-border podcast series is a production of the Acme Podcasting Company.